Good morning, everyone. I invite you all to take your Bibles out and dive in with me to Acts chapter 5. It's on page 970 in your black pew Bibles, chair Bibles, those Bibles. We're going to start at Acts 5, verse 12. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up, jealousy, so they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But stand in the temple and tell the people about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple, and on who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full count. But when the servants got there, they did not find them in the jail, so they returned and reported, found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard, someone came and reported to them, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple and teaching them without force, because they were afraid the people might stone them. After they brought the ordered you not to teach in his name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with his replied. We must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up to his right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were in awe, who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He, some time ago, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and came to nothing. After this man, Judas the Galilean rose up in the desert. So in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. If it is of God, he will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting and flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them on behalf of the name. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued to Well, good morning. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the, I try to say this every time I speak, that it's good to be together. It's good to see you. And together, we believe that God not just speaks through the people up front, but uh, meeting together. This morning, we're continuing on, in a, and it's a study through the book of Acts. And uh, we stop. We'll be doing a bit of a quick refresher uh, of kind of where we're at in the series and kind of the, uh, we can just pray and then uh, keep going forward. So God, uh, we come to you, us. We know that you love us through the, ultimately through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that you love us. We believe that uh, to know you and to love you is what we were made. Clearly, we want to know you as you really are. So where there's confusion, where there's misunderstanding, clarify that for us. Would you crystallize ideas in our minds, the, the love that you have for us? But would you help us? Your presence is the realest thing in the world. There are hearts to love you more again this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Does anybody know the standard railway gauge? 
North America. Railway gauge is the distance between two rail. No? Of all the questions you thought I was going to ask after I prayed, do you think? Oh, a couple of people. Well, regardless if you're curious or not, you are about to look in railroad gauge. Um, I'll tell you the answer. It's four feet. Everywhere you go in North America, a rail rate is going to be four feet and eight and a half inches. It's specific. Why not just make it nice and even? Why 8.5 that you didn't ask? Well, it's that way, and North engineers designed the first U.S. railways. And then as that expanded, it became... The people who built the tramways in England used the same jigs and tools for building wagons, which had that same wheel spacing. Well, they had to use that spacing because... Um, on the roads that had already been built across England. And so there's these ruts that had formed in the roads. Over time, over use of, if you didn't want to lose a wheel and slip into one of these things, or, you know, it had to be that same size. So that's that big, you ask. Well, because these roads were built by the Romans long before England became a country, and uh, they were, used their chariots on these roads. Well, why did the Romans have the imperial Roman army chariots be that size? Well, because that they wanted to have two horses and they would fit nicely between and then that would... that would This rear end actually has a fascinating history. Interesting one that I find interesting. You may or may not. You know, if you look at the ones that fall away, they're built in a, a, a factory in Utah. Transport something this size is by rail. And in order for it to fit on, that means that they had to design these rockets to fit the design feature of what is arguably the world's most advanced transportation system. Important, actually. So why do I why do I mention this? Well, to point out that history is actually quite important. Actually, have are rooted so deeply in a long history. You don't give a lot of thought to, like the size, the standardized size of a railway gauge or the... And there is a sense in which the church, by that I mean that the presence of church buildings in our society, you know, the ideals of a building like this, is kind of just like a normal thing. It's You're feeling totally normal and comfortable right now, but it... it has not abnormal. Christianity has shaped our culture and our country. Today is ubiquitous. According to a Pew Research study done in billion Christians in the world. It's by far the world's largest religion. 32% of the world's population in 2015 follow after Christ. Millions of Christianity has expressions in virtually every culture. But Christianity is a Middle Eastern religion. Caucasian, and he didn't speak English. Millions and billions of people. It's about all sorts of things. But aspire to, in some way, align their life with the Burundi, with Doug, back in 2010, I believe the border into eastern Congo. Eastern Congo is a pretty dangerous place in the world. The lighter-skinned people that they were with was the Chinese because they're so involved in... We had been driving into the jungle for a couple of hours 
they stopped saying Mzungu, which saying like they, they're doing like a ching chong. They kind of did a, like a Chinese sounding voice because they thought. And so that's how far out we were. And we were in the middle. We've been driving all day and I'm, it's starting to get dark. And I'm thinking to myself, lo and behold, we turn around the corner and we go to this village and I'm pictured here, traditional things and uh, Western things, rubber, uh, yellow. We're really out there, and you know, I'm, and all of a sudden, I, we go around the corner, and there's this massive church. Like, when was this built? Like, just like the history of this, like, you just seem like you're in, like, the, the building. And I remember really being struck in that moment that, man, this, this news about Jesus has... And so it's pretty hard to be indifferent about this message when you start to really consider the history and the impact this made about himself has impacted and changed the world. A uh, feature of our uh, rocket boosters on a space shuttle. This, it's really here in the pages of Acts that Sarah read for us. Um, and as we go into this study, that's called the church. Now, obviously, we believe that the 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 been working since the beginning of creation. But this thing, this this particular way of following God in the really begins here in the book of Acts. It's here in the way of Jesus. Through... And we've, we've had kind of as a subtitle, there's this presence that they were encountering with God in the first, in the recent, they were just discovering in a new way in their lives, which gave them this purpose, a purpose. At this point in history, it didn't even have a name, a verse in this passage, and the angel tells the, the apostles, go tell them, it's a new life. It's a new life. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of seeing life. It's a new way of seeing And so we're not too far into this history. We're in Acts chapter 5. You know, it validated uh, everything that he said about himself. It's really what separates Christianity. Another person who said that they were God, but he said these things. He said he was going to be rose from the dead. And the people who had been following him before many witnesses ascends into heaven and leaves them with this mission. So this, that's chapter one, and very quickly leadership begins to form around this movement, descends on them, and immediately they begin teaching to very large crowds. Jesus, rapidly, crowds are coming to faith in him. He's using them to heal people. And all his teaching, and, but they need to be careful about what they're saying and they're doing, forming them, their character, their priorities. It says in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Land or houses sold them, brought money from the sales and put it at the apostles. It's, it's not only this power working through them in miracles and wonders. They're viewing themselves the way they're viewing their possessions, the way they're, you know, the, this greedy selflessness and care for those who are without need. So in the first section of Acts chapter 5, there's these two people who are aspiring to, and God deals with them in a very harsh way. But here we find ourselves. And as we're meeting together in a place called Solomon's Colonnade, in your translation, it may say Temple in Jerusalem. So I have a, there's going to be a, a slide here. If you want to go to the next picture, Elizabeth. You can see it's this, this really this area. They call it kind of like a porch. And it's, there's all sorts of things going on here. Um, you can't, it's unhelpful to think if you want to go to the next slide. It's actually unhelpful to think of today. It was not like that at all, actually. 
It wasn't just kind of on the corner of a... It's The scale of this is actually hard to grasp, but it's this enormous center point. It wasn't just the place you came and gathered on, on Sunday or Saturday morning in the city to visit this place. It's where all sorts of activity was going on, different sections that had different meaning. And, and so really, this, uh, you can see the inside where there's a little in this walled section that was part of the temple, but there's all these interactions and activity. And so the apostles are here, Jesus. And there, if you were here last week, you might remember that the part of the ways that we're called to carry the gospel. Here in this passage, especially clearly, you see them using their words, and you see them, it says in verse 14, more and more men and women believed into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shouts around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits in all concert hall or opera house in the city locked in the thousands to see the best of the best. Third hall. The public is grateful and devoted to the entertainment. Third hall. And then quite suddenly, in the middle of your busy season, day after day, night after night, right outside the door of the new strange genre of music that you don't really recognize, it's kind of like something we've heard before, but it's really popular. And as a manager, you're thinking at first, and that's fine, they let them, let them do their thing and it will fizzle out eventually. Popular. It grows. Crowds are getting larger. People are coming from further and further away. And it's actually starting to take some of your customers away. Why are they going to them instead of kind of faced with a choice? You can A, invite this group to come inside, and, or you can ensure that they be shut down. In verse 17, it says, then the high priest and all his associates, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. So they chose option B, shut it down. But unfortunately, it doesn't work. Because that and instructs them to go back to the very place they just got arrested from. And so what do they do? They, first thing in the morning, it says at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, back up to the speakers, and they started playing again. And so they go to jail to talk, have a little word with this group. Uh, but they, they're worried what this might lead to. And at this point, they seen a miracle. There's no possible way they could have escaped from prison. It had to have been going to express curiosity about this new movement that is happening, or are they powerful men, they have incredible influence, how they decide to react to this new movement, has this new movement and the things that they're saying. And so they have it in again, but this time not to jail. They decide to bring the, the apostles to the sandbys that rules over the city and makes decisions about things like this in favor of what the apostles are doing. They're actually popular with the people, and so to doing. Of course they're for them. They're being healed. They're doing amazing things. And the, so they decide to give a bit of a few strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have blood. If you keep doing what you're doing, we're going to have to kill you. We don't want to do that. It's going to be your fault if we kill you. This scolding. In verse 29, it says, We must obey God whom you killed. By hanging him on a cross. God exalted repentance 
and forgive their sins. We are with those who obey him. They're scolded and they say, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. What choice do we have? We have to keep going. Will they, A, pause and think, maybe suppress these ideas and this new power and try to shut it down? When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. They were actually going to follow through with their decision. They, they said, okay, we got to kill him. Is that better than me? Stood up and convinced the council to make a different decision. So very well known from other, um, from other Jewish sources. He's a very famous rabbi. Read said this. It says, he was a man of exemplary devotion and piety at his feet, including, as we would find out later in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul. So it's a man of incredible influence. He's a wise man. He says, we've seen men like this before. We've seen these guys. They rise up. They say that they're the Muslims. People get excited about what they're saying. They get these followers. And they... So his word of wisdom, and he's essentially saying, this is probably going to end up alone. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it's going to be like all these other movements that are like human origin, and it's going to fail. But if this is against God. And then it says in verse 40, his so the warning turns into a flogging, which wasn't a beat, which wasn't a... Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So here we have to fizzle out a little time later like all the other movements from before, it actually grew of the world. And today the church, this movement, consists of point out three things in this passage. That the gospel creates an upside-down kingdom. That was, being, that was coming through these apostles, was being manifested as crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented. And this movement, this immense power of God, disciples, this motley crew of fishermen and tax in society, at least not, maybe not so disrespected, but they're certainly not the elites. They didn't have, you know, accolades or, or a wielded power in society. They were just these unsophisticated men and women. Power could have been manifested. You know, it could have been manifested through and cast vision and people get excited about this political movement and have, you know, that's one of the ways it's a political figure. God, you know, military force. Imagine the military power, the power that they would have had as this movement. That would. Another way we think about power is money. Filling their pockets with money and like, like, it just been like, okay, endless amounts of cash out of your pocket. It just endless amounts of cash. That's how God's power could have been. Influential people who yield power. It's not being, it's not coming through it to the sick, the marginalized, and the tormented. We see this in this passive of society. It wasn't being yielded. Not option B. We're so used to power. The gospel reverses that. It elevates the people who insist on their strength. It's not through dominance. You know, it's interesting in this passage, Peter's shadow was just passing over people and they would be healed. Uh, we, we ordered a bunch of, uh, as we study for this series, 
And I wanted to see, what's, what's the significance of this? What, what, but for the passage that relates. And here's the, here's the commentators. That God is healing in this way at this time. Throughout the book of Acts. Is that it never happens really in the same way. God is always quality of God's healing. Just this week, lives up on the mountain by the school that, they, that many of the students live on that go to their school. And for years they've been praying for this woman. And there's really no, she's paralyzed. No idea why. Deanna's like, I didn't believe it. I had to walk up the mountain to go see it. With And it should be consistent how God does these healings. But God sees things from a different, in this overlap between this present age with its griefs, sorrows, and restorative power. I think it's more helpful for us to believe that God can, and that he has power over these things. Better to focus not on a formula or does. What does that teach us about him? What is he communicating about? At least in this passage, it's this upside-down kingdom. It's this, in this moment of time, God's using... It's coming from the bottom, not from the top. Second point I want... The apostles told the Sanhedrin that Jesus repent of their sin in their life and that they would find forgiveness in Jesus. It says in verse 33, when they heard this news, their heart responded to this news that you need to repent. The Pharisees thought that God wanted to build an outside-in kingdom. This military conqueror who was going to finally take care of the big in the world. They were so convinced that when Jesus came and said, I'm not trying to free you from the enslaved heart. That's the freedom I'm offering you. They thought it was being set free from external problems. They were. What is it for you? What is the thing that I need? Then my life's going to be fine. That's the Messiah I'm looking for. But they missed the Messiah because they. But because they misunderstood the problem, they missed the solution. Deliverance from the shame, guilt, and fear that kept them enslaved. What do you think is going to bring freedom in your life? God is interested in the outside things. It's not that God isn't brought to the world through Jesus as one of one that took care of the problem in our own heart. In kingdom, it's an inside-out kingdom. Kingdom. Interesting, you know, you see, the, you know, the human us and our humanity are fighting against what God's trying to do. And there's a sense in which God can supernaturally overturn what we're trying to do to work. And what the gospel creates in us makes us unstoppable. And it's the last two verses. The Sadducees rejoicing. They'd just been flogged. Of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. And from the house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming When God releases you from the your heart and replaces it with gratitude and love. This man was one of the Sanhedrin. I'm going to read it again. It says, leave them alone. 
Let them go. For if they are, but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop you. Because when they died, their movement ended. But Jesus was a different Messiah. He had already died and come back to life and demonstrated my movements, my conquered the grave. And so with Jesus, death is only the beginning. That's true of our bodily death that we will all experience. It's only the beginning. But it's also true presently. When we allow, when we allow the control we want to have in our life to die and give it to God. Because he raises it again. And he gives us a new life in Christ. When we're resting in the love of God and the peace that God brings, you have an unstoppable identity. Adrians, I want to leave you with this question. Are you fighting against God in your life? World. He wants to turn your world inside out. And he wants to do a work in you that will last in eternity. Let's pray. God, we're grateful that you're not like us. We know that this world, that the death and decay and the brokenness is not the way that you want this world to operate. And so, God, we want to be that you loved us enough to not say, okay, you've made a mess, then just sit in it and deal with it. You can have life apart from me if you want. But you didn't, and you made a way. And so this morning, God, we want to see isn't just something that exists out there, but it's in our own hearts. Trust you. To see you as the Messiah. Would you give us the softness of heart to see your love for us spawn to you in this, even in this moment? Would you give us that strength to turn back to you? Your mercy is new every day boldness and the confidence that comes from that and fill our greatest things in Jesus name Amen this is our connection time it's a bit of a break